I'm Shachar Azani, and in the news, the path to a new government in Israel. With the fourth Israeli elections in two years behind us, Israel's President Ruvi Rivlin gave current Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu the chance to establish a government based on the results. What are his chances of success, and what are the alternatives? To answer these questions and more, I am joined by my good friend, Kobe Cohen. Kobe is an Israeli political analyst and the host of Balagan, Israeli politics and society podcast. Kobe, how are you? I'm doing great, Shachar. How are you doing? Great. It's great a pleasure to be back. have you with us again. So tell us, just to, to start off the, our conversation, please explain the process to us. What exactly did President Rivlin do and what were his options? So let's start with the process, as you said. On April 6th, uh, the, the president actually gave uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu 28 days to try and master a coalition. The basic law says that the, the mandate will go to the person with the highest chances of forming a coalition. It doesn't state that it need to have 61 people to rec uh, members of the Knesset to recommend on, but the highest number. Uh, therefore, the president gave it to him. Netanyahu had 52 uh, lawmakers who endorsed him, which was made out of the Likud party with 30 mandates, uh, Shas with nine, uh, UTJ, United Torah Judaism with seven, and uh, religious Zionism with six. On the other hand, Yair Lapid, his uh, con competitor, uh, was only able to get 45 uh, signatures, 45 supporters made out of Yeshatid with 17, Blue and White with eight, Israel Beitenu with seven, Labor with seven, and Merits with six. Uh, another another uh, person who was recommended to the president was actually uh, Naftali Bennett, who was endorsed by his own members of the Amina party. And three parties decided not to, uh, not to recommend any, any account. And that was New Hope, Gideon Saar's uh, new party, uh, New Hope with six mandates, the, and the two Arab parties, the Joint List was six mandates and Ram with four. Netanyahu will now have, actually, he will have eventually 28 days to try and form a coalition. Wait, you just Kobe, just before, uh, before we go to what, what's going to happen as of now, you were saying that Yari Lapid had 45 signatures behind him, Netanyahu had 52, and Naftali Bennett, seven. Is the president's decision based only on this number, or is he allowed to take other issues into consideration? For instance, the fact that Netanyahu is facing uh, criminal indictments in court, does that play any part at all in the president's decision? So the moral aspects of who's going to form a coalition is not a, you know, it's not something that was uh, formed in the law. And actually the president, President Rivlin did say that he's not giving it, you know, he's giving it with a heavy heart because, and I, I would like to quote that he said that, um, he gave it, he gave Prime Minister Netanyahu the first crack in forming a government, but noted that he was doing so reluctantly, both because no party leader appeared to have enough support to succeed at cobbling together a ruling coalition, and because he had moral and ethical uh, reservations given that Netanyahu is on trial to co for corruption. 
he actually refused to meet with Netanyahu in person. If we'll be, if, you know, if we'll be clear on that, um, in, through, in, two, in two different uh, um, opportunities, the president refused to meet with Prime Minister Netanyahu this past week. The first one was when he gave him the mandate. Usually, he invites the candidate to the president's residency. There is a press conference. He's being handled. He's, they shake hands, and the president gives his blessing. The president refused to do that. He made his own you know, conference, uh, press conference, made his announcement, and that was it. Second chance was actually when the, when the new uh, Knesset sworn in, there is a traditional uh, photo op of the Supreme Court judges, you know, uh, the, the leaders of the, of the different parties, the prime minister and the president, and the president, President Rivlin was absent. He refused to join, you know, to be on the same podium with the, with the, with the prime minister Netanyahu. And it shows something about the ongoing, um, not so healthy relationships. But eventually, you know, put morals aside, Legally, he had no, um, no argument why not handling out to Netanyahu. You know, so the feeling is that there was no sense of celebration in swearing in of this current um, Knesset, the 24th. But the real question for me here is for you. The Supreme Court already ruled on the issue that Benjamin exactly. Netanyahu was able to proceed politically. And yet the president chose to shun what supposedly was the vote of over one million Israelis who voted in favor of Netanyahu. That's, you know, without even taking the members of the bloc itself. Do you feel that the president was to some degree out of line or was that a reflection of the current feeling in Israel vis-a-vis what's happening in Israeli politics in the past couple of years? I think that eventually he did reflect the, you know, the concerns of, a lot of Israelis. If you're looking at the, at the polls, you know, about how many, how many Israelis think that actually Netanyahu is guilty and, and everything around the, the corruption cases, then Israel is divided. More than 50% actually believe that, that he did do what he's charged with. But there, what once again, most people say, let the court decide what's going to happen. And, you know, so, so even if morally he thinks that uh, Netanyahu shouldn't uh, form the next uh, government, there is nothing legally based that he can, that he can do to prevent it. And if to be honest, the Supreme, Court, the Supreme Court doesn't want to, you know, it's like the hottest potato around and the Supreme Court didn't want to intervene. And he said, listen, you have the lawmakers, that's what the law says. We are strictly, you know, uh, going with the law. And, and as far as the president's decision to give the power to Benjamin, give him the first crack at establishing yeah. a new government, you mentioned Gidon Saar's New Hope Party. And Saar was public about, if you want to vote for Netanyahu, don't vote for me. He did right. not give his support to Netanyahu, as was predicted. However, he also did not give his support to anyone else. He didn't give it to Naftali Bennett, and he didn't give it to Yair Lapid. Now, potentially, understanding from what you said, 45 who voted for Lapid, and you would have taken six more for Saar, that would have put Lapid at 51. 
which is almost as much as Netanyahu's had, maybe giving the president some um, leverage to maybe give the mandate to Lapid instead of Netanyahu. Is that your feeling as well? And why did he do what he did if he vowed to um, bring about a change in Israeli government? So I, I'll bring out two names. You mentioned Gideon Saar on one hand, but I'll also add Naftali Bennett on the other hand, because it seems it, for some people it will look ridiculous that you know the leader of a small party with seven seats will endorse himself to you know, recommend himself uh, to, be, uh, the, to form the next coalition. But I think that what's, what's happening with Bennett, with both Bennett and uh, Gideon Saar, eventually the right wing have 76 seats in the Knesset. If you're taking Lieberman's Israel Beitenu, Naftali Bennett with Yamina and Gideon Saar with New Hope. Lieberman and, 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 and Gideon Saar are two that already said that they are unwilling that Netanyahu will be the next prime minister. And Gideon Saar, he repeats the same message. He's telling his old friends from the Likud, replace Netanyahu and we can have a right-wing government. But Netanyahu is, is vetoed. And, and when it comes to that, and when Gideon Saar is, has a strategic thinking, I mean, he's a, you know, as you say, he's a fox, he's a political fox. And he has a lot of experience. He doesn't, he lacks the charisma but he does know his moves in politics. And he knows that if he wants to succeed, you know, in the long run, in the long run with the right wing, he cannot join hands with Yair Lapid. And same, same for Naftali Bennett. Eventually both Naftali Bennett and Gideon Saar are looking at the days after Netanyahu's era ends. Uh, so they need to really be careful. You know, it, you said that it, if it's my concern, I think that they did the right thing for themselves. And if you're looking at what's happening in the anti-Bibi um, coalition, or, you know, the, what Yair Lapid named as the change uh, camp, it's so split among itself. Even with the Arabs list, we, we discussed it in the past, you know, that the left-wingers in Israel always saw the, the Arabs, and actually the, the, the right-wing did it also. All the Arabs are the same thing, but they're not the same thing. Ram with no. Abbas Mansur right. are, are hard-right hard right Muslims. I mean, they are actually a part of the global Muslim brotherhood. And, and if we think who are their allies in other countries, you can name Hamas in Gaza. Okay, or in the with, with the Palestinians. You can talk about the Muslim brothers in Egypt. They are their world allies. So it's funny that now Netanyahu is willing to form a coalition being supported by Ram, okay, being endorsed by Ram from outside. And, and uh, the left wing is now saying that, they, that it's not okay. <laughs> you know, the saying about politics and bedfellows. Now let's jump into the, um, the, the process itself that you referred to before as well. Um, Netanyahu, what, what's going to happen now? Netanyahu received uh, the first chance. He has 28 days. How is that going to work? So Netanyahu, technically, let's start with the process itself. Netanyahu has 28 days. If he sees that it's not enough for him, he can uh, reach out to the president and ask for a 14 days uh, extension. Then the president has two chances, or actually three. Either 
give Wait, him an before, extension. Before we go to the end of that period, Netanyahu is four weeks plus two weeks, potentially. But yes, what do you think are his chances of success as, as from what it looks like now? I think that they are really low. I mean, I wouldn't say really low, but they are low. I wouldn't be surprised if Netanyahu will try to draw back, and now it will sound funny to you, uh, somebody like Benny Gantz and Blue and White back again into his coalition uh, for two reasons. First thing, Wait, Netanyahu's main no, concern... I understand what you just said, Kobe. Netanyahu yeah. is 52. He needs to have at least 61 yes. to have a strong government, or maybe even less, as long as he has uh, the support of the majority. Right. And... Let's say he gets Naftali Bennett, which is, which is seven seats. He gets seven, 59, 59, a couple more. You're yeah. telling me now that after everything that happened in the past year and a half with Benny Gantz and the alternative prime minister story, this is what he's aiming at, having Benny Gantz join his government again? This is, not what, this is not what he's aiming for. But actually, for Netanyahu, he doesn't really care what's, you know, what will be the formation of his coalition. He was just legitimizing, you know, uh, Ram, the Muslim brotherhood in Israel. And he, he just want to form the next coalition. He want to stay in power. And for him, you know, it was always great. If you look at, that was his always, by the way, his uh, strategy. He was always pulling somebody from the left into his coalition for two reasons. One, it was some sort of a shield, you know, to the world to show, okay, we are more balanced, we are not hard right. But on the other hand, to his people, to his base, it was a great way to say, oh my God, you know, they are blocking me. I can't really have my, you know, all of my uh, policies uh, done because I'm being, uh, you know, uh, stopped by, first it was the Labour Party, then it was Yair Lapid and, and uh, Tsipi Livni. Every time he has somebody else to blame and it works great for him because he needs it. You know, he always charged, Netanyahu is very, he's a skilled politician. So he will always have a target to work against. And, you know, for, for Benny Gantz, it will be in a way some sort of a, of a proof that he's the defender of democracy. I wouldn't be surprised if he will argue between Naftali Smutrich and Benny Gantz on who's going to get uh, the, you know, the... the justice, um, the minister of justice, for example. You actually, you actually, so, so Netanyahu's real chance of success is getting such parties who are part of the block of change at the moment to come and join his new coalition. Yeah, he did it in the past. I mean, if you look at the last uh, coalition, Netanyahu was able to dissolve his main, uh, his main uh, competitor, his main, uh, I wouldn't call it enemy, but his main, You know, Challenger, which was blue and white, he dragged uh, Benny Gantz into, into a coalition. And if he'll need to do it again, he will do it again. I don't know what will be with Benny Gantz himself. I mean, for him, that's what he did. You know, he can always say, I jumped on the grenade again. But let me, if we dive into the quagmire of Israeli politics, Netanyahu doesn't really... need to attract all of the members of, let's say, Blue and White or New Hope or any of the other opposing bloc members. He can pinpoint individuals, can't he? He can target specific people on specific lists to join him, thus gaining the three, four votes he needs 
to have a majority in the parliament. Yes, but I think it will be harder for him. Um, you know, he did it in the last time with the Orly Levy who deserted the labor and merits. He did it with uh, Tzvi Hauser and Yoaz Handel who deserted Telem, which was a part of blue and white slate. And, but in this, in, this, uh, in this Knesset, I doubt if he'll be able to get deserters because the parties themselves are more coherent. And, you know, the people, for example, that worked with, the, with the Gidon Saar, they, they all got hurt by Netanyahu. And I doubt if they'll be willing to, you know, to, to go to another coalition with him. But so was, so was Benny Gantz. When you talk about hurt, he was the epitome of hurt in what was happening in Israel and his public image in the past year and a half. I agree, but he still, but he still stayed, you know, he stick to his uh, seat. He did. And I think that Netanyahu, if you, if you think about it, he was the raging bull that Netanyahu was riding in the rodeo. He was the, he was, Netanyahu was the raging bull and he was the rider, but eventually he wasn't able to get rid of the cowboy. And that, uh, I gotta say, I mean, if you look at it as an outsider, the fact that uh, Benny Gantz stick to his position and, you know, he said, I'm going to stay like a, 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 like a bone in uh, Netanyahu's throat. I mean, some people say it's crazy. It, eventually it worked for him. He was able to gain eight mandates with this policy. Definitely showed stamina. So Netanyahu has 28 days. Um, does the president have to, if, in case he does not succeed, does the president have to give him the extra two weeks? And if not, what then? So the president is not obligated to give him the, the extra 14 days. Technically, if, Yair, if there will be any changes, you know, within, between Naftali Bennett and Yair Lapid, for example, they can come to the president and ask to get the mandate and uh, the president can, uh, can approve that. So then, you know, uh, Yair Lapid will have uh, uh, actually 14 days to try and form a coalition. It will be shorter and he can get an extension of another 14 days. The so third option wait. is... So 28, let's say the president gives Netanyahu 14 days or doesn't give. At the yeah. end of the 14 days, he needs to make a decision. That decision is either to give the mandate to someone else, exactly. Lapid or Bennett or whomever, or... Or he can send it back to the Knesset and tell them, you guys need to form, to figure out who's going to lead the next government. They need to find somebody, the members of the Knesset. And if they don't... Wait, so he doesn't have to give the mandate to someone else? He can... He's not, he's not obligated to give it to someone so else. So he can decide post-Netanyahu that no chance, I'm going to take it back yes. to the Knesset. And Lapid can't come to him and say, hey, you gave Netanyahu a chance, why not me? Because, if, because the, the president has this, you know, the freedom he's not obligated by law to give it to another, uh, to another person, to, another, some, to somebody else to try. He can send it back to the Knesset. Now, the members of the Knesset knows that if it goes back to them and they are undecisive and nobody will be able to form a coalition, then we're going to a fifth round of election. Wait, 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 wait. Let me just understand this. So it goes back to the Knesset. In the Knesset itself, what do mm -hmm. they need to do? And how long do they have to do it? They will have 14 days to figure out how to, how to form a coalition within the Knesset. 14, 14 days or 21 14 days. days? 
After the president, you know, refuses to give the opportunity to any competitor. And if they're unable to get behind a member of the Knesset... And the Knesset dissolves, and we go to a fifth round of election, and that's three months after the Knesset dissolves. So that's automatic, right? They don't need it's to automatic. rally on dissolving yes. the Knesset. If that's, they get this period of time, if they can't rally 61 votes behind one person, the Knesset automatically dissolves and yes. Israel dives into a fifth round of elections. Amazing, isn't it, Kobe? I think it's sad, mostly. <laughs> do, you, do you think there is, um, looking at the different scenarios of a possible Netanyahu government, an alternative government, or a fifth round of elections, how do you see it going forward? What do you think are the chances of any of these scenarios happening? I think that, uh, unfortunately, even if Netanyahu will be able to form another, another coalition, it won't last more than a year because he will have to compromise and either he'll be able uh, you know, to join forces between Bezalel Smutrich of the religious Zionist right and Mansour Abbas and to get you know, the support of the Ofram list from the outside and have a minority government, which is hard, I, I can hardly see it happening. I mean, Bezalel Smutrich and Itamar Ben Gvir they are hard right ideologists, so they hardly compromise on where they stand. I mean, it's not like with, you know, with, for example, with the, with the ultra-Orthodox or saying, hey, you know, we just want our piece in the cake, okay, and we don't care what you're going to do with all the rest. But there have uh, been whispers, there have been whispers of a potential, like you indicated before, Naftali Bennett as prime minister? I would say that morally it's wrong, because he didn't get the support. If people wanted him, he, sa he said that he's competing, you know, he is a, a candidate to being prime minister. He only got seven seats. It means that most people didn't want him eventually. Um, but but there, is no, there is no ruling against it because eventually what the law says, you know, a member of the Knesset who's able to form a coalition. And Yair Lapid actually offered him that they will have a uh, uh, par government between him, Lapid, uh, him, uh, um, Gidon Saar, and uh, Israel Beitenu, Lieberman, who eventually together, uh, they have 20 mandates. Yair Lapid has 17 with the labor and merit, so they will have it some sort of an equal part, equal uh, government, um, but they refuse to do that. They refuse to go with a government that will have, you know, uh, left-wing elements in it. And the left-wing elements are labor and merits, the more uh, progressive parties to the left. Well, merits is the more progressive. Now there are uh, barely, you know, it's quite blurry between them and the labor, but labor was more centric in and, the past. And, and one last thing, just so that our viewers understand. The main division, point of contention here, bone of contention between the two sides is the person himself, Benjamin Netanyahu. Right. So if uh, in the Likud, if the Likud was headed by somebody else, like let's say Nir Barkat, the former Jerusalem mayor, and Netanyahu were to go on his path of retiring or becoming Israel's president, then you would have a stable, liberal, secular controlled right wing 
governments or center-right with many parties which are now in the Knesset. Is that a correct assumption, Kobe? Uh, not exactly, and I'll tell you why. Because eventually, as much as the, hard, the right wing is trying to portray it, and the ultra-Orthodox are leaning right, the ultra-Orthodox will go with the left if the left will give them their peace, you know, their, their, peace, uh, their uh, peace in the budget. Um, the main challenge is that with Netanyahu, um, he's, he's the strongest brand in Israeli politics. And I doubt, by the way, if the Likud party will gain 30 mandates with other candidates at this situation. You were mentioning uh, Nir Barkat, you know, with what Netanyahu did to him, he's, he, you know, most of the, you know, I'll, t- I'll say differently. No, 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 uh, I didn't mean in the elections. I meant right now. To right be- now, it wouldn't be a secular, it will be a hard right wing, uh, ultra-Orthodox uh, government, yes. Without Benjamin Netanyahu. Without Netanyahu. So eventually he's blocking, you know, and he's telling people, you can't veto me, I don't veto you, even though he always vetoed somebody. You know, no. even even Naftali Bennett and Gidon Saar. <laughs> now, it's, now it's coming back to bite him in the behind. But yes. let me ask you uh, just one last question to conclude with. Do you, th- do you feel that most chances are that Israel is headed in the direction of a fifth election or how do you see this unfolding? So uh, that's, a, that's a hard question. I really hope we are not going to a fifth round of election, but I think that it's in the next year, it's inevitable because even if Netanyahu will be able to form a coalition or even if Lapid will be able to form a coalition, I can't see how they stick it, you know, how they keep its parts stick. And it's gonna be impossible impossible to rule. You need to have goodwill and no ego from any of the parties. And you know, politicians, it starts with the ego. Two amazing elements in politics, goodwill and no ego. (laughs) No, most of them actually have the goodwill, but the ego always wins. Well, I, I just want to, you know, say thank you, Kobe. I think this has been a, an enlightening discussion and a very fascinating one for truly mavens in Israeli politics. And I appreciate, so uh, do all of our viewers, your incredible insights and knowledge in this unbelievable quagmire of policies. Thank you very much, Shachar. Always a pleasure to join you and to our uh, audience and looking forward for the next time. So we will follow closely as events continue to unfold in the hope for some political stability in Israel, even though that may be, as Kobe said, somewhat temporary. I'd like to thank everyone for watching and to all we wish to stay safe and stay healthy. I'd like to thank our director, Sloan Copeland, JBS's managing director, Dara Golub, our technical manager, Michael Paley, transmission manager, John McDevitt, and to our wonderful producer of In the News, Carol Lilienthal. For JBS, I'm Shahar Razani. Until next time, shalom and lehitraot.